This is Under the Dome. On today's episode, we're taking a look at what's happening in North Carolina politics for the week of Monday, May 10th. Welcome to Under the Dome, the political podcast from the News and Observer and NC Insider. My name is Will Doran. I will be your host this week. We are taking a look at the week ahead at the North Carolina General Assembly, and it is going to be a doozy of a week. Uh, the past week was a doozy as well, but uh, the, the coming few days, especially Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this week, are going to be pretty wild. Uh, that is because of something called Crossover, which I am sure a lot of people listening to this podcast already know about. Um, but for those of you who don't, uh, allow me to take a brief second and tell you all about Crossover. This is the deadline for when bills have to have passed at least one chamber, either the Senate or the House, if they're going to remain alive for the rest of this session. Uh, there's no official end date for the session. We could be done in August. You know, maybe we'll be done at Christmas. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. In, in the past, you know, things have tended to drag on until the early fall. Uh, this year could be a little bit crazier because of redistricting, which is also going to be happening in the fall, but that's probably going to be a separate session, and we can get that in a different podcast. Uh, but for right now, uh, we're going to be talking about crossover and uh, that deadline, which is coming up and uh, this week, and uh, what it means for bills if they're going to have a shot. Uh, so like I said, uh, basically every bill if it's going to stay alive, needs to pass one chamber, either the House or the Senate, by crossover. So if you have a bill that you are particularly enamored with and it has not been moving, uh, this is your time to call your representatives, your senators, and ask them to pass it if you would like them to pass it. Uh, as I mentioned a second ago, not every bill is subject to crossover. Uh, things that deal with the budget are not, uh, you know, and that that is the the big budget bill in general, but also smaller stuff, you know, if you have a a bill that would, you know, involve some fees or a bill that would, you know, require, you know, a, a little bit of spending uh, that's not the big budget bill, uh, those things don't have to be applied to crossover. So one trick that you see lawmakers do is, you know, if something doesn't uh, get past crossover, maybe they'll amend it to say, okay, this will come with a, a one cent cost to the state. <laughs> and so that'll let them kind of avoid the deadline. I remember a few years ago talking to um, uh, former representative uh, Chuck McGrady, Republican from out in Hendersonville, about uh, the brunch bill, uh, which uh, would allow uh, cities and towns to, to serve uh, or to allow restaurants to serve uh, alcohol before at 10 a.m. on Sundays instead of at noon, and this was aimed at allowing people who went out to Sunday brunch to order a mimosa or a Bloody Mary, and it was looking like it wasn't going to pass the crossover deadline, so I called up Representative McGrady and said, you know, what's going on here? Is this bill dead or what? And he said, eh, you know, crossover's kind of made up. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, it, it it is the deadline, but if we want to get around it, there are plenty of ways uh, to get around it if the leadership is amenable, and that's what happened that year. Uh, 
Um, I, f- I forget exactly what mechanism they use to, to get around crossover for that bill, if they put something fiscal in there or if they maybe did what's known as a gut and amend, which is when you take uh, a bill that has met the crossover deadline and after the crossover deadline you put it in committee and just uh, add in a completely unrelated bill to to the end of it. Um, you know, people uh from a few years ago we'll remember the infamous example of the motorcycle abortion bill uh that was a motorcycle safety bill that ended up getting turned into a motorcycle safety and also abortion restrictions bill um that made national headlines <laughs> for the uh kind of silly juxtaposition of those two topics but that sort of thing happens all the time um usually in uh, much less uh silly mashups so a bill that doesn't pass crossover now isn't completely done for, but uh, it certainly has an uphill battle. Um, so as I mentioned, though, any bills dealing with budget issues, money issues, those don't have to meet this deadline. Any bills dealing with redistricting, uh, which I mentioned a second ago, those don't have to meet this deadline. But plenty of other things do. Um, and so we're going to have our eyes on a lot of bills uh, over the next few days here. Uh, my team at the News and Observer and I are uh, going to be looking at a lot of things. Um, we we know some criminal justice bills have met the crossover deadline. Uh, the House of Representatives passed a trio of bills uh, last week dealing with things like a duty to intervene rule that would be mandated for every police office statewide. Uh, That's inspired by George Floyd's death. It says that if cops see a fellow officer abusing somebody, violating somebody's rights, they are required to step in and stop them. And uh, I talked with Representative John Zoka, Fayetteville Republican, uh, who is the lead sponsor of that rule. He's also a retired lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Army. And he said, you know, when I was in the Army, we were taught that if we had, you know, somebody prisoner, we had to take care of them. And I feel like if soldiers can do that in a war zone, then police can do that here as well. And so he is sponsoring that. Uh, Like I said, it passed the House, uh, now goes to the Senate. Uh, A couple other bills passed the House to deal with uh, basically the what's called the wandering officer issue. It's when you've got a bad Apple cop who gets fired uh, from a department or even loses his police certification in another state and then comes to a different department here and applies for a job and is basically able to fly under the radar, under the current rules, because there's not much information uh, that is available, not just to the public, but even fellow law enforcement agencies to be able to see uh, the disciplinary records of police officers' uh, past conduct. So there are two bills that would kind of uh, strengthen uh, not what the public can see. None of this would be public, so the public still wouldn't know about problem officers, but sheriff's offices and police departments would be able to see that and have a better understanding of, hey, do we actually want to be hiring this person now that we can see, you know, all of these disciplinary issues that they've had in their past. So the hope there is that that will uh, crack down on the number of bad cops bouncing around from agency to agency, uh, although some, uh, you know, transparency advocates don't like it because the public would still not be allowed to know when, for instance, an officer has been caught committing perjury and lying on the stand uh, or things like that. Um, Another thing on that, so those have passed the House. One thing that hasn't passed the either chamber is Senate Bill 355, which my colleague Don Vaughn has written about. Uh, That would open up 
disciplinary records uh, of all government workers to the public. And so that's much more sweeping. And, you know, that is everything from cops to state government workers. You know, if, if you are paid by the taxpayers, people would be able to know if you've gotten in trouble and why. And so that has engendered some opposition and some support. Uh, it is moving forward in the Senate. It is, I believe, supposed to be voted on Monday. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, on Tuesday, uh, the Senate, I believe, is going to be taking up some of its own criminal justice reforms, uh, some of which are pretty similar to those those House bills that I mentioned, but have some other, uh, other elements to them as well. Um, you know, so that could be, you know, just kind of an extra addition to some criminal justice stuff. And it has been pretty interesting to see some of these criminal justice bills moving forward, uh, even in the Republican-controlled General Assembly. I think a lot of people on the left uh, were fairly cynical about uh, the chances of criminal justice reform moving forward, but we've seen it, uh, you know, obviously not as much as a lot of people on the left would like, but it is happening in bits and pieces. Um, one thing we have not seen any action on, which I've written a few stories about, uh, is uh, any form of marijuana reform, whether that's decriminalization, medical marijuana, full legalization, whatever. Uh, there's actually a bill by one of the most powerful Senate Republicans, uh, Bill Rabin, the Senate Rules Chair, uh, which would create uh, medical marijuana. Um, however, that... Probably, I would have to say, uh, my, my non-lawyer analysis is that would be exempt from crossover because, you know, it obviously would create tons of taxes and fees and all sorts of things. So that uh, seems a very budgetary nature. So I don't think that's necessarily dead. If it doesn't hit the crossover deadline, uh, that doesn't mean that it's not dead anyways. Uh, but <laughs> we, uh, we can still wait and see on that one, I believe. Um, another thing in the criminal justice reform world that I have been following is a bill to end the shackling of pregnant women who are incarcerated in county jails and state prisons. It's already banned in federal prisons due to a law that uh, Congress passed in 2018 and President Donald Trump signed into law. It's kind of technically banned in state prisons already because of an internal memo that the state prison sent out in 2018 or 2019. But from everything we've heard, it doesn't actually really get followed that much and guards don't really follow the policies even though they're supposed to. So by putting it into law, this would, you know, have the hope at least of, you know, making sure that that policy actually gets enforced in state prisons. And there's no policies right now statewide for county jails. It's just, you know, a mishmash, county by county, all 100 counties can have different policies. So this would say, okay, no matter what, if you have a pregnant woman behind bars, you don't need to be shackling her uh, while she's pregnant. You know, she <laughs> she's not going to try to run. <laughs> and it's, you know, we've heard from Republicans, it's a pro-life bill. Uh, you know, it, it helps helps the development of babies, helps the dignity of mothers. Um, and so they like it as well as Democrats do. And so it, it seems like this is the sort of thing that uh, should should go forward. It's always interesting when you go to a press conference and you have, you know, the ACLU rep standing right next to, you know, the Planned Parenthood rep standing right next to the Republican senators and the Christian Family Values Group's reps. Uh, so this has pretty broad support. I would imagine we'd see that pass. 
um, as well. Um, but another thing we'll be watching, uh, and there's plenty else on our radar. I mean, there's, there's been some reg reform bills going on. There's a lot of bills around, uh, you know, everything from car dealerships to the construction industry to coastal issues. Uh, you know, how do you deal with erosion at the beach, things like that. So, there's been a whole lot on the agenda this year, uh, and it has really been ramping up in the past couple of weeks. We are going to see it really continue ramping up in the next few days, uh, then maybe we'll all take a collective breath at the end of this week uh, once Crossover has finished and we kind of have a better sense of what's uh, worth paying attention to as the year goes on, because it either has or has not met that crossover deadline. So look for a lot of reporting from us in these next few days over the course of this week on uh, what has made it and uh, possibly what has not. And then after that, we'll start digging down into the details of what's still alive. We're going to keep following any developments in the budget as they come. Uh, obviously, the budget needs to be done probably by June, since July is the start of the new fiscal year. Um, and uh, it, it does seem like we could actually have a budget this year. Uh, and, you know, last time it didn't quite work out. Uh, Governor Cooper vetoed it. Republicans could not convince enough Democrats to override the veto. So we just kind of stayed on cruise control a little bit from the previous year. Uh, we're not like the federal government. We don't have a government shutdown. If we don't have a budget, we just don't get to do all the fun new programs that are in the budget, like giving people raises or giving money to whatever uh, new nonprofit organizations the state wanted to support or, you know, funding whatever new projects within state agencies that they wanted to do. So, it it has looked, and there there was an excellent article in the News Observer uh, by Don Vaughn, whose name I mentioned a couple minutes ago. Uh, she wrote about how basically Governor Cooper and the uh, legislative Republican leaders are having a little kumbaya moment uh, this year and are getting along a little bit more. Uh, they've been working together on some COVID stuff, and now they're pledging to work together better on the budget this year than they have in the past and hopefully actually come to... Uh, something other than the stalemate that we've found ourselves in for the last couple of years. So, you know, fingers crossed, knock on wood, we'll see what happens there. But uh, for right now, the signs are looking good that we'll actually have uh, a budget, which is good news for state employees who are hoping for raises, uh, and it's good news for anybody else who uh, has a particular piece of that budget that they're interested in. You know, we spend close to $30 billion a year, so there's a little something for everybody in there. So we'll see what the details of that are as we head further into the spring and early summer. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you for listening. Thank you for reading. Keep checking out newsobserver.com for our articles uh, this week uh, so you can see what is going on. Uh, as we hit this deadline, uh, that is going to be a pretty big deal for a lot of bills, depending on whether they live or die. So with that said, I appreciate y'all and tune in next time for another episode of Under the Dome. <laughs>